God bless you. Thank you, baby. See you. Amen. Amen. And that's, it's so beautiful to sing our identity as all of our teachers wearing those identity shirts and who we are. And uh, we're just so grateful for all of them and for our school. It's just a beautiful, beautiful ministry that we have. It's just, that's doing countless incredible things in the lives of young people. And so we are grateful for them as they go down and for all of you as well. And, and I'm thinking too, just even as we get into our time of our sermon in the book of Mark, but just thinking about how all these teachers, as they come in on that first day, before that first day of school, and you're thinking about your room, your space where you're teaching, and you're doing your thing, and you come into that day with all of these, these hopes and these dreams and maybe these fears and doubts, and you're bringing all of that to God, and you're just praying, Lord, I pray that you would do incredible things in this room this year. And I know for all of you, you probably come into a room like this today, and you show up to church, you show up to see God, what are you going to do? I'm bringing here, Lord, all of my fears and doubts and hopes and dreams and struggles and things that we feel like in this way we need God to show up for us in. And yet we show up here and we think, God, please, I I need you in this time. And there's this amazing, amazing prayer in the story that we're going to look at today. And it's this prayer because it's a man talking to Jesus I call that a prayer, you know? And it's this man, and he says, he, he has this struggle, he has this need, and he says, I do believe, help my unbelief. I do believe, help my unbelief. And I think that's kind of like when we show up to a room like this today, and we, we come bringing all of our stuff, and God says, anything is possible for those who believe. And we say the same thing. I do believe, Lord, Help my unbelief. And so we'll learn more about how that prayer flows and works. So let's turn to the book of Mark, chapter 9. There's Bibles there in front of you. Uh, You got your phones and whatever else. You can turn to Mark, chapter 9, verse 14. And as you turn, we remember that this story that we're in today comes right after this story of the transfiguration that Doug spoke to us about last week. And it's this story where Jesus takes a few of his disciples up on top of this mountain, and all of a sudden he's radiant and shining and glorious and talks to a couple people who've been dead for hundreds of years. And it's this wild, crazy story. And they've come down the mountain from this. And as they're coming down the mountain, this is what they come to, is this story here. So Mark nine fourteen, and it starts with this. When they came back to the disciples... They saw a large crowd around them. And some scribes, these are these religious leaders, these scribes arguing with them. Okay, so there's an argument between the disciples and the scribes and a bunch of people watching. And immediately, when the entire crowd saw Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. Now you stop here a second and you think, okay, why are they amazed one, and, and running up to him. Like, one is, this happens to Jesus all the time. That's one reason. Another reason is, Jesus is possibly still shining and glowing from this transfiguration moment on the mountain. Similar to how Moses was still shining when God appeared before him on Mount Sinai. And so you have this, this moment where they're amazed at him. But I, I also think there's a little bit of this moment, especially when we're thinking about teachers. It's like you're in class 
and you showed up to class, the teacher's not there yet, and somebody says, I think there's a test today. And somebody's like, no, I don't think so. And you're going back and forth and you're wondering, but then the teacher walks in and you're like, all right, now here comes the one with the answer, right? And Jesus is the one coming in the room that knows what's going on, and he's going to set them straight. So they run up to him, and then verse 16 says, And he, Jesus, asked them, What are you discussing with them, with the scribes? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit, which makes him mute, And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground. And he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. So this man has a son who is being afflicted by this demon, this evil spirit, and slamming him to the ground and all of this. The disciples can't cast him out. And Jesus answered them and said this, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Okay, here's your sweet, nice Jesus, right? Okay, this moment where we all talk about how nice and sweet and kind all the time Jesus is. This feels a little more like frustrated Jesus, right? And he, he even says this, oh, unbelieving generation. And he's in some way separating himself, I think. I'm not part of your generation. I'm different. He's, he's God himself in the flesh. And he's God himself in the flesh who has his eyes really at this point— after this transfiguration, and he's on this journey towards Jerusalem, and he's really on this journey towards the cross. He's on the way to that moment, and he's got that more at the front of his mind. And so I think when they start doing, you know, having stupid arguments like this, he's just, come on, seriously? But what I love about Jesus is his frustration does not lead to rejection. His frustration leads to action. He says, bring him to me. Like, you you guys are still not getting this, but I'll, I'll help you. I'll take care of this. And then verse 20, it says, They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, okay, when, uh, when he saw Jesus, immediately the Spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can? (laughs) This is this moment where it's like, "Uh uh-oh, said the wrong thing. Jesus said, if I can? Are you serious right now? If I can? Do you know who you're talking to here, right? And he says this line. Jesus says, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. It's this beautiful prayer in this moment of desperation. I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. When he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out 
by anything but prayer. Now we'll get into what that last line means in a minute. But first, I want us to see this, this heart of this story, I think, is this prayer. I believe, help my unbelief. And so I want to walk us through this a little bit of just, okay, what is this prayer mean and like how can we even I think for me this is a very relatable prayer like this is a prayer that I can pray very easily yes Lord I believe but help me with my unbelief so let's look at the the I believe part first okay I believe uh, for him to say this I do believe is this moment of him making a conscious decision to step out in faith no matter how he feels he's going to take a step of faith he's going to step out and say yes I believe even though inside he's still filled with doubt and fear and struggle but he's saying okay yes Lord I do believe right and what we have to remember is okay what does belief mean in this first century context this Greek word for belief was to trust in or to put one's faith in. Now, always with an implication that actions based on that trust may follow. Okay, this isn't just, I think I agree. This isn't agreement in my mind. This is agreement with action. That's this first century understanding of belief. That I will, I do believe, but I will also act upon that belief. Okay, so that's what this guy's saying. Is like, okay, I do believe, and I, I, I want to act on it, but I'm really still kind of struggling with being able to do that. And there's this, this sense for him of, of needing to have this faith, this dependence on God, as he says, I believe. And it's interesting because Jesus has really just called all of them an unbelieving generation. And then he says, anything's possible if you believe. <laughs> okay, do you get that? Like, none of you believe anything is possible for the one that does believe. And in the, in the midst of like, even before that, you know, the guy's like, you know, if you can do anything, and they got that moment, right, where Jesus really reacts to. And it's interesting, I think, again, to see Jesus react to that. Just, you know, are you serious? Excuse me? Did you just say, if you can? And he's like, yes, Lord. Okay, okay. I believe, help my unbelief. But the thing is with belief, belief in and of itself is meaningless. The, the belief itself isn't what matters. It's believing in the right things. I mean, I can believe that this table will save me from my sins. And I can have a great belief in that, but belief doesn't matter. It's believing in the right things. And so obviously believing namely in Jesus. And we can often place, I think, our belief wrongly or not think about how or what we place our belief in. I love, uh, you know, I think about trust falls, the whole sort of like, you know, um, you know, team bonding thing of a trust fall, right? And so you've got this whole thing where people fall backwards and then people are supposed to catch them. Now, I don't know if you know, but there's trust fall fail videos, which are awesome because the thing is you have to think about who you place your trust in because if your friends are a bunch of idiots, don't fall off something and have them catch you. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we really need to think about who you're going to fall towards and make sure you fall towards them. This is one of my favorites and here. Go. Okay, there's lots of things going wrong here, right? First of all, this is not who you should place your trust in, and you went the wrong way, all right? So, 
Like just, you got to think about who you're placing your trust in. For me, this happened at a really crucial time that I didn't do a good job with this. And that was when I was at this moment hurtling to a hard, hard ground from 10,000 feet up when we went skydiving. Okay, now I realized I was thinking about this. Um, I might have been thinking about it like around this point. (laughs) But I, I was thinking about, okay, you go skydiving. And when it's your first time going skydiving, you always do it connected to an instructor, okay? Connected to a guide. And it's that moment where, like, uh, it's the moment where I most wanted to be really tightly strapped to another man. You know, it's not often what I want, but I, I really did want to be as close as I possibly could to this guy. I'm just like, okay, let's do it. And, <laughs> but like, it's this incredibly dangerous thing you're going to do. And it is, it's a very fun and exciting thing you're going to do. But you want to be very, very close to that person because close to them is the safest you can be. So a great sort of illustration for us in that is in this life of following Jesus, it is going to be very dangerous and God's going to challenge us to do extremely hard things. But the safest place we can be while doing those things is as close to him as possible, Right? However, for me, when I went to this, I realized we showed up to this place to go skydiving. I didn't know anything about this company. We were going—this is based on Matt Davis's recommendation. I don't know if that was smart. (laughs) Like, like I show up, and we we show up, and it's just like, I don't know who these people are. There's some dude playing Call of Duty on the PlayStation 4 at the time, and just sitting there playing Call of Duty and doesn't even look up at us while the boss guy's making us sign our life away. This guy's still playing Call of Duty. When it's time to get on the plane, they finally call him and, like, get him off that. He, he kind of runs over late to get on the plane, and this is the guy I'm supposed to be with to be safe. And what I found out later was a month after this moment— is he got his license suspended for unsafe practices while skydiving. So I placed my trust, my faith, in a person I should not have. So be wise. (laughs) Be wise in who you place your faith in. And St. Anselm, an ancient, said, faith-seeking understanding. That there is this sense we have faith, but we also seek to have greater and greater understanding of who we are placing our faith in and trust in. And it's, it's hard, though, when you think about placing your faith in something you can't see. We are called by God to place our faith in him, yet we can't see. And Hebrews 11.1 1 even says it. This is what faith is. Faith
must believe, boy. We must believe. So that's the awe moment, right? Like show the rest of the movie, teacher. But um, it's just, <laughs> it's that, like, this feels like such the perfect, like a Hollywood's version of I believe, help my unbelief. You know, like where he's just, he's done that research and he knows what he's got to do, but it's still terrifying. It's still so hard to step out in that. So Lord, help my unbelief. And this is the, the crucial part, I think, of the prayer and I think this is the, really this crucial part of what faith is. And, and this help my unbelief, right? This recognition, okay, I am weak. The only thing, the only way that I can do this is through the power of God. That's the only way I can actually even have faith at all is in the power of God. Because, like I said, this, this essence of what faith means, the essence of true faith is that I can't trust even in myself or my own strength, my own power, for belief itself or faith. So we're saved by grace through faith, yet we can't even have faith except through the power of God, right? Except through the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. And so we're trusting in God even for that. And that's this moment for this man. It's like, yes, I do believe, but Lord, help me with this this unbelief that I still have and feel, I need you to provide for me even the belief itself. And so you get into then this Greek word for unbelief. And what we're asking God to give us help with when we say help my unbelief is this. It's a lack of faith, but often with implications of stubbornly refusing to believe or act in accord with God's will or law. So, Lord, I recognize that I stubbornly refuse to believe or act according to your will and according to your word. And I need help with that. Help my unbelief. Please, God, I need help with that. I need your power. And what I I think is an awesome uh, illustration of that is a story that happened to Erin Holm. Erin Holm leads Pastor Shepherds, our high school students. She's right over there. Come on, wave to everybody, (laughs) Erin. Erin Holm, she, this is Erin Holm, okay, on the screen here. That's epic, right? Like, Erin Holm is that person. And, um, what I love about, there's this story of what happened before she got to this moment was a story to go repelling. Okay, so this is repelling where you, you have the rope and you lean back and you sometimes, like in an easier way, you just sort of walk down the face of the rock uh, and the rope is holding you as you go down. Now this has got the big overhang and all of that. So just dangling down here. Now, <laughs> what happened was in this moment is that Aaron's on the top and as there was like this, this guide instructor person says, do you believe the rope can hold you? 
do you believe the rope can hold you? And the answer is yes, yes. Like, I believe, I understand the, like, this rope can hold, like, tons of weight. Even if it frayed, this rope would still hold up. Like, I get that. I have this understanding that this rope is strong. And so then he says, okay, then lean back. You know, you're on the edge, lean back. And it's this terrifying moment where you have to, like, say, okay, do I just believe in the rope or do I actually trust in it with actions that follow? And then so there's this moment of unbelief. So like, do you believe in the rope? Yes. Lean back. Uh, you know, kind of fear kicks in. Nah, no, thank you. And so then the instructor gave her a nudge. <laughs> and the nudge is that moment where you kind of, you could be standing there and the rope is kind of slack a little bit. You can't really feel it. But then as that, that little nudge Oh, you could feel the rope holding you. And you're kind of leaning out then over this giant precipice. But you feel the rope holding you. And he says, now, now rest in the rope. Okay? Like, trust in that. And I think it's just this amazing analogy for what we're talking about today. With, like, I believe, yes, I believe in this rope. Help my unbelief. And this nudge is a little bit of that help my unbelief. And now, okay, I can rest in that. As I have a sense of God's presence with me in that moment. I rest in God. I rest in Him. And then I think that kind of leads me towards this verse of 2 Corinthians 12.10 that says, Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And it's this thing of, I think even sometimes, <laughs> this stuff that we have in our life that's the difficulties, the distresses, the, the persecutions, all that, that's kind of the nudge, you know? So sometimes for us is the nudge that, Lord, like, I have to remember that I'm weak because I can maybe tend to think, like, I can just sort of take care of myself sometimes, and we're reminded we are weak. And then we're reminded that in the midst of that weakness— we are strong because we rest in the rope. We rest in God. If she starts like fighting herself up on that, you know, or fighting with the rope and trying to climb up again, this is going to be a bad experience, right? She's got to rest in the rope in that moment. And that's what we do. And that's the nudge from God. And so I want to ask you today, what do you need to pray about this way today? What in your life is, is going on? Where it's, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I got all this stuff happening in my life. Whatever it is for you. Whatever that struggle or sickness or hurt. Whatever, if just even something hopeful, a hope that you have. What is it for you that needs to say, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And as you think that through, I want us just to remember how this story goes. Because this guy prays this prayer. And then... Jesus says, all right, get rid of the demon. He cast the demon out after the disciples couldn't. And then the disciples, they go off to the side and they are saying like, why couldn't we do it? And then Jesus says this whole thing of this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Now, you might ask even the question of, okay, well, like, what do you mean? Like, were, were the disciples supposed to have stopped there and prayed more? Well, in my view, the answer to that, it's possible, yes. But in my view, the answer to that really is no. It's that, in my view, it's that intimacy with the Father 
is the key to being empowered by the Holy Spirit at this point. That, that it is all about an ongoing intimacy with God. Okay? It's not just that they needed to stop and pray in that moment, because I think they probably were, right? But what it, I think what was happening here is the disciples had gone around uh, before this story. They'd actually, it says that they'd gone around and they're casting out demons, they're healing people, they're doing all this awesome stuff. And I think uh, they might have even begun to just sort of think like, yeah, we got this. We're pretty good at this, right? Like we can trust in ourselves to be able to cast out these demons or to heal these people. And so then they get to this moment and it's whatever this kind means, that this was a more powerful spirit or something, that it came to them trusting in themselves to be able to do this in this moment instead of remembering that all of the power and authority they had was because that power and authority was given to them through Jesus. It was given to them from God. And so there needs to be this ongoing intimacy with the Father that then leads us into these moments where we can just be able to be empowered by the Spirit to do whatever is before us in that time. And so I think that's like a really key thing for us to recognize is to be spending time in prayer, spending time in listening, spending time with God. And even on the back of your outline, we just provided uh, on the Digging Deeper just some, some prayers that could kind of help you with this as ways that you can develop some ongoing intimacy with God. I don't, I'm not going to go through them here, but I just wanted to point them out to you that you could see that you have some of these that maybe can just help you to get into a posture of praying in this way of dependence on God and developing that intimacy with the Father. Because I think what happens when we do that then is that our prayers begin to be aligned with the mind and heart of God instead of us trying to pray to get God to get aligned with our heart and mind. Do you understand that difference there? That we, when we're in ongoing prayer, it's about us getting our hearts and minds aligned with His rather than us trying to somehow get him on board with our program. No, it's, it's the other way around. And so we want to be continually praying in that sort of way. And so I want us to consider here is what do we try to do in this life without prayer? You know, what do we try to do in this life at all without having just a life of prayer, a life of developing continued ongoing intimacy with the Father, because that's what Jesus had. And aside from him just being God in the flesh, which always makes it kind of feel not fair, right, when he can just do it, but at the same time is he had this intimacy with the Father. He had this deep, these deep times of prayer with the Father that leads him then into just being empowered to do anything in that moment and casting out that demon. Now, the way I want us to respond today is in a couple things. To respond to this, you've got a card in your bulletin, okay? A card that says, help my unbelief, okay? It looks like this. And I'd love for us, as we just considered this prayer of this, this man, this desperate father for his son, and he cries out for God to help him, and he says, anything is possible for he who believes. I do believe. Help my unbelief. I'd love for you just to consider and pray through, like, what is my unbelief, essentially? Okay, what, you know, write down things that you believe maybe God can do or you believe in your mind he can do, but you really don't think he would do. Or write down ways that you doubt God's power, God's love, God's presence with you. 
Like I said, just basically write down what is for you that unbelief. And then what I thought could just be cool is you can bring these cards then when we sing in a little bit to bring these cards to the stations around the room. And you can come and receive communion, take communion as well there. You can come and receive prayer at these prayer points. But come and bring these cards and just drop them on the table somewhere. If you want to rip them in half and drop them on the table, you can do that too, whatever. But it's this act of saying, Lord, I submit my unbelief to you. Help me with my unbelief. But before we do that, I want to I pray over you. And what I want you to think about right now, think seriously about this right now. If you came into this room today with something that you are hoping for, for healing from God, and that could be physical healing. You're in a, you have a disease or a sickness or something you're going through right now that you need physical healing from God for. But it could be that you've come in here with an addiction that you need healing from. If you've come in here with hurts from other people that are so deep you need healing from, from God, or some sort of hang-up or struggle, some hope or dream that you have that you are just praying for God to to show up for you in some way for. I want to pray a prayer of healing over you today. And I want to pray for you right now in this moment. And so what I would ask for you, not, not to come up forward or anything, but if you have something in your mind that you want prayer for healing for right now, to stand up right where you're at. Just stand up and remain standing. And I ask all the believers in this room to be praying in the name of Jesus for these people who have boldly stood. And I want to pray for God's healing for you. Almighty God, we come before you praying in the name of Jesus, the name that is above all other names, the most powerful name in the universe. We pray in his name, and we pray right now, Lord. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to fall upon this place. We pray, God, for your power to be made evident in this place today, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would heal, Lord. We pray that you would come upon each person in this room that has boldly stood. They say, God, I need you. I need healing for whatever is going on in my life today. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal them, that you would deliver them from the things that bind them, God, from the things that are holding them back. Lord, I pray for physical healing. I pray for freedom from addiction. God, I pray for healing from the hurts. Give them victory, healing, salvation, Lord. Lord, we bring these things to you that are so deep to us, God, and we pray for your Holy Spirit to bring healing to our hearts that are broken, Lord Jesus. So I ask you, God, to show up, Lord, in a way that you choose. We believe, God, that you can, and we ask that you will help us in our unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd ask for all of us to stand.
with them, as we sing, as we worship, to take those cards, to bring them to the stations and say, Lord, I surrender my unbelief to you, to receive communion and to receive prayer as well. Let's sing together.